Well, welcome everybody to uh, another exciting podcast. The Gateway Leadership Podcast exists to make you successful in what you're doing for God, at least to help you. My name is David Canastracy. If you're new, thank you for joining us. And if you're a part of our Gateway Leadership Podcast community, thanks for tuning in. We've got a great conversation today about something that I'm really passionate about. We got a couple of good-looking guests uh, on the podcast, uh, uh-huh. uh, and Daniel Guadarrama and Pastor Chris Cobb, part of our team at Gateway, and our subject today is outreach. That's right, I said it. Outreach. We're gonna <laughs> we're gonna reach out. We're gonna get people saved. But guys, welcome to the podcast. Thank you for joining me. This I love a, you said that that uh, outreach that that word that word. It's a it's an intimidating <laughs> word, a scary it's word, a big again. word. But you know what? We're coming out of this pandemic, and it's like I was texting with a friend of mine the other day. He said, "How's it going at Gateway?" And he's a pastor, and, I, and we were texting back and forth. He said, "How are you doing?" I said, "We're doing good, but we miss momentum." <laughs> you know the whole especially when it comes to souls because we would on a on a regular sunday see hands going up to receive jesus that's my favorite moment of the week but then when you can't gather and you how do you win people to christ how do you do that so i feel like we've been in the swamp or stuck in the mud or whatever and now we're getting unstuck and i'm on fire to mm. see people that's right given their lives to Christ. But the world has changed. Mm-hmm. It's different. Um, and Gateway's changing. Gateway's making some big uh, changes in the area of evangelism. Yes. Last month, our podcast had Pastor Carol Cohen, who is in um, our executive director for Gateway Community Outreach, which is one one of the areas where we do a lot of outreach. Is it? But Daniel, you're coming on board now. You're actually stepping into that role. Chris is helping you. I'm proud of you, man. And you're stepping in. You're coming out of the marketplace and into a new level of ministry. How's that been for you? How, you know, jumping onto the Gateway team is it? <laughs> is it a good thing? Please say it's good. You know, it's all right. <laughs> <laughs> you know, honestly, you know, it, it's every time I walk again. I'm, I probably have said this so many times to many people, but every time I walked into these doors, I, it's just like, wow, this is so surreal that I'm here. You know, like. God, like, what do you got next? You know, and I'm like, I feel like I'm still on that that bench. You know, like, God, I'm right here. Where? What's the next play? Mm-hmm. What's the next game plan? You know, and and I'm looking at all you guys here in this table, and I'm thinking to myself, okay, what's their next vision? I'm ready to jump on that next wow, wave. Cool. You know what I mean? Uh, <laughs> Very like, good. That's how excited I am. So it it feels great. It really really. Well, for those that don't know you, you're a father. You come out of the marketplace. Just give us you know thirty seconds about who you are. You're a PK as well. Uh, so. Yes, I like to tell people I'm a recovering PK, <laughs> or was a recovering PK. If you're those, a married man. You got a beautiful uh, yeah, wife. Beautiful Lydia. wife. You know, get the chance to work with her now, and um, you know, three daughters, a son, two are married. Uh, one uh, gr- uh, grandchild, you know, uh, Liam. I love that boy. So, so yeah, you know, family kind of grew, you know, during this whole time, you know, and been married for 22 years. I'm a blended family. I'm holler out those people who are blended families out yeah. there. You know, yeah. know, that could be a struggle, but uh, but God has been so good. Stepping God into a role good. of evangelism, but also you're doing a lot of work in connections and mm-hmm. uh, Team Gateway and and so on. I appreciate I appreciate you accepting the position i'm excited coming out of this pandemic pastor chris mm-hmm. where it's been a struggle uh to field our team and get people get people going 
how excited this guy's on the team. Absolutely. Yeah. Add, no, a, add, add a yeah. lot. You add a lot. You know, it's funny because the word that I keep, you know, <coughs> reciting over me was last year, David, when you said the word surge mm. for 2020. Mm. We had no clue what 2020 was going to mm-hmm. be like, but mm-hmm. that word surge, it just stuck on me like a mm-hmm. bolt, mm-hmm. lightly bolt. And I took that word and, and, and I just stayed on it like surge, surge. That's got to be like 2021. We're probably surging into something like into 2021. Absolutely. And Absolutely. I still feel that that surge, you know, that that <clears throat> that excitement that, gosh, you don't know what Sunday's going to bring, but it's always going to be something exciting. So Amen. Yeah, I'm loving it, man. Oh, Chris, I know if outreach is a passion of yours. You, you, mm-hmm. You've got that kind of a heart for people. You want to see people coming to Christ. How has it been in a pandemic, and what are you thinking about in the future coming out of this, like, are you, are you licking your lips? Are you ready to go? You know, I'm excited about <laughs> it. You know, you mentioned this gentleman you spoke with who said they lost momentum. Yeah. We step back, and we really see the Lord has not lost momentum. Right. We've gone undercover, COVID. But if you look throughout history, God is always at work. Yes. And he's been preparing hearts. He's been positioning people, unveiling certain issues in life culturally. I mean, the last year was just a record in terms of what's been going on. So underneath... We've been seeing God preparing, and that's validated by a lot of new people coming that we've mm-hmm. never seen mm-hmm. before. Mm-hmm. And we're in the process. They say, of, where'd they come from? Where they come, God's been working. Yeah. So mm-hmm. there's been plenty of momentum, but we just don't see it. <laughs> I love it. And so we got to be encouraged by the fact that God is always at work, the good times, the bad times. And, and what I'm really sensing is us being able to continue to keep our eyes on the harvest, create mm-hmm. opportunities for engagement, be ready. For uh, the new people, mm. be ready to continue to evangelize and be positioned for harvest. That's what I really see happening. Beautiful. Not only here, but around the world. I mean, God's got a harvest that's coming in like never before. Well, what you're saying is good. Is What you're saying is wake up to what God is doing. Don't, Very good. Don't say God's not working. Mm. Say maybe I'm not seeing what God is, but God is working. I just read the Absolutely. other day. Jesus said, my father is always working. Absolutely. Wow. Mm. And then Jesus said, don't say four months or right. months off into the future. He said the harvest right. is here today. It's here. And it's easy to get our eyes off of what we are really supposed to do because of economic or social issues or justice or whatever. But I really believe one of the things that's happened over this last year has been a realignment of staying on course of what our assignment is. The kingdom, kingdom of values, right. souls mm-hmm. coming out of darkness, that whole thing. So just for us... Staying focused and anticipating every week new people coming in and being ready to make disciples and expand the church, the kingdom, all the networks, all the campuses. It's the same message across the board. Hmm. On one level, nothing has changed. You know, the Great Commission is still there. God is working, um, you know, and we know that that we know that that Great Commission hasn't changed and it's it's more important than ever. But on another level, everything has changed. Maybe when it comes to methods or the way we've done outreach, because you know a lot of our listeners might be pastors or leaders or youth pastors mm-hmm. or whatever that are struggling. Like, why isn't this happening? What you know, we hear these stories around the world of people coming to Christ and so on, and they just feel intimidated. They feel, you know, they're not making a difference. Uh, and sometimes it's about catching up to what God is doing in the world with regards to empowering us to reach. What do you see, Pastor Chris? What's God doing? What has changed? What What do we need to catch up with in terms of... I think it's, it's we live in such a multicultural 
area. Right. We live in another mm-hmm. generation. Mm-hmm. And many times the church is just behind in so many different ways. So as an example, the people we're reaching today, we, we there's a different approach, different, different setting, different questions being asked, different whole environment. Uh, just mm-hmm. like example, we were talking um, that here in the Bay Area, we got such a blend of cultures. Mm-hmm. Not every culture is reached the same. Right. You got people from Asia. You got people from India, Europe, all over the place. And that's it's not the same message. We need to really understand culturally mm-hmm. where the people are at, what are the questions they're asking, and still come to the same conclusion. Christ, right. Christ is the answer. Right. But you know, just the old paradigms of years ago, walking up to somebody, say forty years ago, <laughs> are you saved? Are you born again? That don't work today. And then use logic. Yeah. And dogma mm-hmm. to golf them to where you want them to be. Yeah. That's not as effective as it used to be. Yeah, and the church has got to realize, and leaders and people, that we just can't use the same agenda mm-hmm. that we've had in the That's past. Right. we got to really be listening and really seek to engage with where people are at. Mm-hmm. It's a different approach, different day, different hour. And throughout history, it's always been the same thing. Paul says, I became all things to all, all people. All things to all men. Recognizing, okay, here, I'm not in I'm not in Israel. I'm not in Jerusalem. Where mm-hmm. am I? And how do I reach these people? Yeah. What do you think, Daniel? What's, what's some of the passions uh, of your heart when it comes to doing outreach? Where, where are we headed with outreach? Well, it's funny because... Um, I, I mean, I'm, I tailed back on everything that Pastor Chris said. You know, it's like, uh, that's my heart, too. But one of the things that I see is that we're more of a, like a digital outreach. This past uh, 2020, I mean, we hit it out of the park. I'm going to say it right now. We hit it out of the park online. Mm-hmm. We really did. Mm-hmm. And the fruits show because as when people were coming in on Sundays, I mean, I was getting everybody from like, oh, man, because of you, I— Oh, that's who you are when you're doing the welcoming and farewell. Oh, you're the one that does the. I'm mean, wow. hearing those wow. things, and wow. I'm telling you right now, man. It's that great just, to know that people are out there listening, and it made a difference, right? <laughs> you know, but what it showed us that is that this generation that you know, well, at least you know, much older generation, whether it's mine or older, that they didn't think they can do technology. Mm. They were afraid of a laptop or afraid of you know. I only do a phone call, you know, but they got into texting, they got into social media, they got into you know, a more digital outreach tool that people need today. And when we start bridging that gap with, you know, the younger generation and the old generation, man, powerful things happen. And it was a result of what 2020 did. When we put our, our you know, apples in that basket, man, it just grew trees. Mm. And you could see these people coming in on Sundays just like, like it just put a smile on my face telling me, yeah, I, I stuck with you guys all year. And man, I don't mean to get emotional, but man, I just like that every time I walked away, yeah. yeah. Every time I walked away from that conversation, there was like a tear come down my eye, mm-hmm. you know, because I was like, "Wow, God!" Like That's great. you see it, you know, you mm-hmm. just totally see it. And, and that was a that force. Happen. I mean, it, we were forced into that. Yes. Remember, remember the good old days when there was a debate about whether online ministry was oh, a valid. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> Never like, needed. Can we really? It's you know, the devil. is that real discipleship? Is that real? <laughs> can you get people saved? And can the waste of time? Well, the yes. jury's. The jury is back in on that. Mm-hmm. The decision, Definitely. the jury has spoken that, especially because that was the only tool we had, that we can disciple people, we can minister to people, mm-hmm. we can mm-hmm. reach people um, using online. It's a big shift. It's mm-hmm. it's. I don't think we're ever going back to what it was. I think we're... But that's part of the reckoning mm-hmm. of where people are at. You mm-hmm. know, I have a little soapbox I stand on. John Wesley used to get in trouble 
because he preached in open air. He didn't preach in the Anglican church. That wasn't mm-hmm. acceptable. No, yes, they said, yeah. you can't do that. He goes, I'm mm-hmm. going to go where the people are, right. mm-hmm. under the tree, where the people are. And it's the same thing today. Where are the people? They're online. Mm-hmm. They're mobile. The kids, mm-hmm. the youth, they're on you know, all Instagram and all these. we got to go where the people are. That's right. a part of the big shift. Big shift. Right, right. And we, we have such an awesome team that they just, man, they, everyone knows what they're doing. You know, everybody stays in their lane, they, and they just love what they do, you know, and I love to see that. When I see somebody else in another department love what they do, it shows It right. shows in their work. Right. And when you see that, you're like, oh, bro, I'm with you. <laughs> I love what I do. Let's do it together. <laughs> Show me what you do so I can just help you out yeah. because I love that the fact that yeah. you love it, you know. So, yeah, this is it's been great, man. That's just kind of how I see kind of what outreach kind of looks like in a nutshell. You know, it's that digital So world. you like the online thing, but oh, also, totally. you, you know, Gateway Community Outreach, we're doing a lot of mm-hmm. compassion, a lot of uh, mm-hmm. meeting people's needs, uh, moving toward maybe more support mm-hmm. and help for people. Yeah. Uh, talk to me about what you see ahead in that area. In that area, you know, well, it kind of ties in together because when you do digital, what it's, what's happening is, all of a sudden, you're building that relationship, and then you're going to have to meet face-to-face mm-hmm. with that person. There's no question around that. That's always going to be a must. So when that comes into place, and then you kind of, like, start to get engaged in that community area that you're being planted in, like, you know, the Family Resource Center, you know, at Las Casitas. Man, you see all these uh, ladies coming out, and, you know, we're serving food. Tell us what that is, because oh. maybe not everybody knows what that that we have a, an outreach. Describe it. What, what's Okay, so to just describe it in a nutshell, uh, this apartment complex, Las Casitas Apartments here in San Jose, uh, they have given us these a, a two-bedroom apartment, which can go for so much more, right. you know, in renting. Right. Like, I'm just blown away that they just get— It's amazing, and, right? Yeah, and it's just like this—it's like a, just this— pantry for people to come in be blessed with food that we provide in a, in a, a section eight housing mm-hmm. you know complex and you can see these people's faces i mean they just start lining up once the the, the you know it, the doors open and we're just handing out you know food and, and whatnot and you could just see everyone just get so excited mm. and that's where the engagement comes in because you have the twofold the digital but you have the physical and that physical part that's where you know all right, this is where you step in, you know, to, you know, mer- maybe it may be like murky waters, but when you clear things out of the way, you know you're going to pull out some good fish, mm-hmm. you know, and and it's pulling out good people. And then all of a sudden you're learning new languages, mm. you know, like I learned what milk was in Vietnamese, like su or sui or something like that. I think it's sui, yeah. <laughs> and I kept saying sui, sui, and then they look at you and like. <laughs> you didn't say it quite right. Maybe <laughs> I didn't say, yeah, maybe I didn't say it. Yeah, yeah. I apologize if I offend anybody. Yeah. But, you know, it, you know, in that moment, like I get inspired because like, man, I'm learning a little little new language for me, you know? And then when people see that you want to be engaged with them, they're just like, their eyes light up. Mm. And you may not talk the same language, but your face does. Yeah. A smile is talking the same language. You you know? and, and not only at the resource center, this apartment complex, but you know, where we have Meet the Challenge, our homeless. The we challenge have the, too, yep. the Duck Pond. Mm-hmm. We see uh, the the Home First across this new old location. Yep, that's been awesome. So we got several platforms, a number yeah. of platforms that have remained consistent throughout the COVID. But we were talking earlier today that now that as we're coming out, we're seeing more people gather mm-hmm. through these platforms that have already built in, built in place and re-engaging more yeah. opportunities right. for people that have 
come out of the you know some of the the issues of isolation etc mm-hmm. and the opportunity for ministry it's like Rick Richardson in his book you found me he talks about one of the mistakes a very important book very say important. it again Rick Richardson Rick Richardson Rick you Richardson, found me you found me he notes that one of the mistakes that many communities and churches do is they separate pa- compassion from the gospel compassion right. from the work of Christ right we are seeing a re-engagement so right. people are regathering right we've got some answers not only clothing not only food but like for instance whenever we have this uh, one of the ministries meet the challenge we always have the opportunity to share the gospel as well so important the key mm-hmm. is being able to bridge that gap of compassion engagement relationship love trust with the message of the gospel and therein is some of the challenge that that we face but it's there's an opportunity as well well that that is mm-hmm. because evangelism itself or let's let's call it influence in the way people are influenced is changing mm-hmm. you know you go back to uh let's say the 1950s and if you were selling a vacuum cleaner door to door you knock on the door and you're a stranger and the lady opens the door and you shove your foot inside the door across the threshold <laughs> throw dirt on her carpet right literally yeah. Yeah. and you know start vacuuming to to prove your point now if you do that now, you're going to be beaten, arrested, right. uh, and they're going to, for sure, they're not going to buy your vacuum. Or shot. So the way we influence, the way we communicate, Daniel, right, mm-hmm. the way we talk and listen to each other really has changed. There's some big changes in that. And that, I think, if we don't recognize the way we're winning people to the Lord or the way we should be winning to the Lord has changed, We've got to come up to date with God and mm-hmm. what he's in. So what do you guys see God doing? How do we influence people today? What are some of the directions that we need to move in if we're going to influence culture and really win people to Christ? You know, we've we've seen where we intentionally engage, and we're still very much growing in this as well. We're learning. We're learning best practices, mm-hmm. but it's an engagement, building bridges with the community, and, and not only individually, but creating a community, a conversion community. Mm-hmm. That's, you know, as we've talked, is one of the goals here of all the Gateway campuses is to have the whole culture engaging in the community right. and taking steps towards building relationships. The key word is trust. Mm-hmm. And it's just like we you know we talked about Rick Richardson. He mentions in his book, hospitality is the determining factor to creating a successful conversion community. Mm-hmm. Being hospitable, which means reaching out, feeding, caring, and then really stepping in because it's taking time nowadays more so than ever before to build a bridge of trust. Mm-hmm. Right. People are pre-wired to religious things. They're, mm-hmm. they, they, They're they they suspicious. They right. don't want to hear it. You yeah, know. Right. Yeah, because we come in with our pre pre designed agendas, and people are turned off by it. Right. That's why half of the, the millennials, that they, they're the, even the Christian millennials, half of them don't even believe it's good to be sharing the gospel because of the backlash of preconceived as compared to uh, building trust, mm-hmm. caring, mm-hmm. Sh- listening, establishing a relationship, mm-hmm. with yeah, listening. You know, everything we've been talking about in terms of how we engage and end that in that we hear people's pain. We share our story and we're seeing a whole different paradigm of engagement with people as compared to what we used to do door to door, knock on all the doors and, you know, open air preaching. And we I've done that. My wife and I've done that for years. And it's not that God can't mm-hmm. use those things, but no. I think it's 
what is God using most? What's God seem to be doing? And it seems like he's moving through relationships, mm-hmm. love, listening, mm-hmm. connecting, mm-hmm. caring. I mean, Jesus was relational. You know right. what I mean? He always wanted to come alongside you. Not, you know, he wasn't against you. He's for us, his word says. You know, and that's how we got to approach people. Like, I mean, if you worked in the sales world, you know, the old sales was like how you said. Mm-hmm. And when you get into like the late 80s, 90s, and 2000s, people were like facing forward, you know, in this little pamphlet of some product or whatnot. But then it started changing. They started realizing, like, oh, my God, salesmen are thieves, mm-hmm. you know. And then all of a sudden, oh, you need to be relational. Don't talk about product. Well, it's always been in the beginning that Jesus became relational because he wanted to come alongside you. If I want to be relational with you, I'm not going to be face-to-face. Mm-hmm. I want to be next side you. Mm-hmm. I want to pick you up when you're down. I want to lift you up when, you know, you, you got some celebrations and some victories in your life. You know, I don't want to be just the forefront of you. I want to be a part of your life. And I think that's some, sometimes we kind of lack in those areas and not in, in churches today that they just don't know how to be relational. They're so doing it the, you know, the more con- maybe constrictive way, but they just got to open up because Jesus was the same way with, with people. He loved them where they're at. And right. that's what we got to do is love them where they're at. We'll be relational. And you just see God move from there. At the I end of the day, it's going to be a relationship that, the uh, day, that has the no. most, um, influence or lasting power in a mm-hmm. you know to change a person's life. We're also moving from a primarily logic, intellect driven thing. Now with the world questioning what is truth. Mm-hmm. Okay, you got your truth. They got my truth. Truth is very subjective. So it go it when we come with our diagrams or our explanations of sin and separation from God and some of the ways we've broken down our message in the past no longer lands. It's no longer getting traction because the world's concept about truth and moral truth especially uh, has changed. Now what seems to be working is telling your story, Mm -hmm. you know, not only having a relationship, but in that starting instead of with, um, instead of with an argument, starting with, an experience. Mm-hmm. the The world is experience oriented, and they mm-hmm. they're in their pain. They're they are in touch with the pain they're feeling, and so we're trying to draw our diagrams about you know cross being the bridge between the two gaps. And they don't relate to that. They don't care mm-hmm. because first of all, they don't know you. Mm-hmm. So why are you even drawing a diagram? I, we're mm-hmm. not in a relationship. I don't have to listen to you. Second, I'm not. That's not. That's not my biggest need. Is my thinking. Mm-hmm. Your diet. What my biggest need is something I'm feeling. That's where a lot of people are. So learning to come in and connect with them on a on a feeling level, which is something that men, by the way, are really great at, right? Aren't we? We're really great at this. We love talking about our feelings, and so <laughs> I'd rather draw a diagram, to be honest. But but I'm learning, men, because you've got to slow down, mm-hmm. listen, connect. Mm-hmm. understand the pain, and maybe instead of starting with the problem being sin, which we know theologically it is, the problem, the separate, the thing that separates us from God is our sin, right? Mm-hmm. But they don't always understand that. They don't know that. Maybe we start with the pain. Mm-hmm. You know, and it's, it's crazy that you say that because it goes back to when you said listen. You know, I use this acronym, I, the, I, I call it LIAR. And I tell, and I use this with couples. I say, hey, look at each other and tell them that you're a liar. And they're like, what? Liar? I go, this is what it means. L is for listen, I is to interact, A is to acknowledge, and R is to respond. Hmm. 
And when you do those, you need a different acronym though. Yeah, you got to work. Well, I like but, those points. But, but the but, liar, yeah. the, see, the thing is that they'll look at liar differently. Uh, now. Okay, mm-hmm. yeah. it's not to be a stigma that oh, you're always lying to me. But like, that's not I'm, good. I'm mar- a liar. That's not good at marriage counseling. <laughs> I, I, you know, hey, hey, just Don't like commercial, hey, just like commercials <laughs> give you this crazy. You mean liar in the nicest way? In the nicest yeah. way. <laughs> it's such the nicest way. I right? dare you to tell my wife to tell me that. <laughs> well, it's funny because I. The whole point is that I want them to have a good laugh. And when I say those things, they they laugh and smile like, okay, see, now you don't mean it literally like you're a liar. But the fact is that you'll remember those things. It's to first listen. Give it it again. Listen. Listen. uh, I uh, interact. Mm. A, acknowledge. And R is to respond. Mm. And so when you kind of add, and anybody can have any of their own kind of acronyms, however you want to do it, you know. But when you use something like that, a little, little tool for yourself, it helps you engage with people a little bit better, you know. And and listen, listening is a key thing. Yeah, guys are not good at that. I first want to raise my hand here. I mean, uh, yeah, but Daniel, I'm know, gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna say something to you. You're great at it. You are a very good. It took at 22 years connecting with people. <laughs> And well, I don't know. I don't know if your wife would say. Hopefully, she would. But no, I mean, she would. I mean, she when, would take you know, meeting people. It. I think you've got people skills. And you and I were talking about this the other day. When you when you meet somebody, you've got a couple of goals, you know, for that interaction. Do you remember that conversation? Yeah, I remember that conversation. I yeah. I think that would help in the yeah. in the discussion here. What What do you do when you're trying to connect to somebody that you don't know? How do you do it? Well, you know, like again, well, it starts with the listening, and then I'm start hearing on key things that they're saying. They're, if they're telling me a life story about something, I'm going to tell them life story. And a pretty a really good example is a few, few weeks back, um, the single mom came in, and I just, hey, how you doing? You know, went through the whole yards. How you doing? And I could see something was you know bothering her, and I said, hey, are you okay? And then she just blurred out with me, and she says, you know what? And she just gave me her life story right away. And I'm thinking like, okay, I might have to spend a couple of minutes with this, with this, with this lady, and she goes to say that her, um, what brought her back to church was that uh, her daughter had attempted suicide, hmm. and as, as soon as she said that, I knew how that felt because I was that 15 year old kid that attempted suicide, hmm. so I can relate to that. If hmm. there's something that I can relate to, I'm going to speak to it. I don't have a problem sharing my story with you. You know, because my story goes, it goes deep, you know, and probably maybe you guys know maybe 80% of it, you know, maybe 90% of it. But if we got deeper, you guys be pulling out tissues, you mm. know, sooner or later, you know. But anyhow, but <laughs> when you do that, you know, again, I'm a man. Back. I don't really, I don't really You're not have crying. those feelings. I'm crying. No, <laughs> I'm, no crying. I'm kidding. You're crying. I'm no, kidding. I know. <laughs> but it's like you, in that moment, that's where you just, hey, okay, God, this is where I got to just be. I gotta tell my story, my mm. testimony. I gotta mm. let them know I feel your pain. I really do feel pain. I'm not that guy that's gonna say, "Oh, I know what you're going through." When I don't know what you're going through, I always tell people like, "Don't ever tell people that you know what they're going through if you don't know." If I have people that their mom or dad passed away, I don't know what that feels. Mm-hmm. I, I I came close to that, but I don't know. I know you know <laughs> I'm gonna be prim hard for that one day, but you know those it's those things that you gotta be real. When you're real with people, man, that just goes a long way, and they could see that. And then, Absolutely. And then when it comes to influence, okay, so you've you've established that. I mean, you're doing that because you love her. You're not trying to change her or modify. Mm-hmm. I assume she was saved, right? But if that yeah. if that was an unsaved person, you're not just trying to get a notch on your Bible by listening. You're really loving. Mm-hmm. And when you do that, it's like you have a better shot 
at having a right to speak into their life mm-hmm. or an invitation to speak into their life because now there's relationship, there's right. trust. I mean, you go in, and even if it's the, the non-sale, okay, for, for example, when in a sales world, whenever I went into someone's office, I immediately looked around without them knowing that I was looking around. Okay, I see a globe there. Yep. I see, you know, some books there. Oh, I see some, you know, oh, a sword. And I'm always thinking about the next conversation. Mm. And when I get into that conversation, we're not talking about, you know, what I want to sell you. I'm talking about, hey, oh, man, I have a sword just like that. You know, it wouldn't be a lie, but, you know, I would tell a story that it was true. You're getting into their world. Yeah, I'm getting into the world. This one guy had a, an amp guitar, and I'm like, oh, man, I, I'm trying to learn acoustic, this and that. And then the guy's eyes, eyes light mm. up, you know, and, and when you do those things, you know, hey, my neighbors, when I'm going, they have their garage door open, you know, and I'll be like, not that I'm peeking in, but it's like, Oh, the, oh, he's a Giants fan. Oh, he's an Ace fan. I can talk some sports. And you know the oh. key, the key in there is <clears throat> the transparency, mm-hmm. the honesty, right? And that takes time. It does. But it, what happens is when people people are looking for that, mm-hmm. and when they see that you really care for them, that you didn't come on with an agenda, Mm-mm. what's happening behind the scenes many times <clears throat> is the work of the Holy Spirit. Mm. You know, many times we're so far ahead of Him. The Holy Spirit says, wait, 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 why don't you learn their name first before you bring out your little booklet on how to do whatever. But as you're developing these relationships, as you're developing trust, listening to stories, the Holy Spirit is working behind the scenes, mm-hmm. causing that person to listen as, as well. And it's a beautiful thing when we see and we, you know, some people call it collaborating with the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. But it's a beautiful thing because what will happen <clears throat> is we share our story, they share their story, there's a common interest, a transparency. And at some point, there is the opportunity for sharing, praying, whatever, and they're open to it because they trust you. Mm-hmm. And they see that that you're not out there trying to just add another member to the church list or add another person that will be giving in the offering or whatever. Mm-hmm. You really care about where they're at. Yeah. I mean, I mean, I knew this. I started getting this, this neighbor, Phil, across the street. He saw me uh, mowing my lawn. I have, like, electric. And he comes up, hey, you know, do you want a gas one? I never use it anymore. <laughs> and I was like, oh, Phil, you don't have to do that. But it's because I've always been engaging with this guy. And he's like, no, no, it's no problem at all. And I'm like, oh, well, okay, sure. And it was, it was a nice Honda. I, mean, I never had a Honda, you know. You know, but it was it was great. I was like, but you know that, but that took weeks, right? You know, that took weeks to get you know to get involved in in Phil's world. So when I see Phil, I'm like, hey Phil, how you doing? You know, and he say, hey, how's it going, Daniel? So, you know, it, yeah, it's, it's really good that you allowed time. him to help you because a lot of times I was just reading this in the Art of Neighboring. I don't know mm-hmm. if you guys caught that. That's yeah. a great book, The Art of Neighboring, is that we want to serve people. But then when they want to do something to us, we feel oh, mm. that shouldn't be happening. I'm the blessing. Mm. But you gotta let your neighbor. Oh, yeah. You gotta let your neighbor. You know, in a relationship, it's gotta be two way. <laughs> yeah, I learned that lesson a long time ago. I used to feel the same that same exact way. I used to feel like, no, no, I don't want that blessing. But I'm thinking, wait a minute. I've been given blessings. It's okay to receive that blessing. But you know what? It's not about the blessing. Is that man? I'm getting a better relationship with this person. Exactly, because you if know. you don't let them bless you, then they're your project. Exactly. But if you let them bless you, they're your friend. It's exactly. a it's a two way. Exactly. I totally believe in that. Yeah. That's awesome. Don't go anywhere. The Gateway Leadership Podcast is coming right back. All right, we're going to be back to that episode real quick, but. Right now, it is time again for questions from Instagram for Pastor David. So we do have a couple of questions. You haven't 
you haven't seen these questions yet? I guess not, no. And that's kind of the rhythm. I would love to be able to see the questions before I answer you, them you live on the podcast. You know what I love, though? <laughs> I, you're such a, you're such a, a preparer ah. that I really like. Okay. I really like coming at you with questions that you're not prepared. All right. So this is this is on the fly, just for our audience. This is so on know. the fly. Um, why does Gateway seem to stay out of political discussions? Wow, that is a good question. Yeah, it's a very good, uh, very good question. So I think it there's a lot of layers to it. First and foremost, we're a church for all people. Mm-hmm. Well, not everybody votes the same way. Right. Right. And uh, of course, we have our core values that, you know, we would be pro-life. We would be pro-justice. We would, you know, we want biblical values as a part of it. So we spend 52 Sundays a year teaching and preaching the word of God. And everything we do is to try to cultivate certain values in people. Right. But to go ahead and say, here's the guy that I choose for us as a church to be our president. Or here's the guy, you know. I'm not so number one, different people vote differently, and that's a part of being a church for all people. Yeah. Right. Number two, I don't know if people really want to come to church and hear me talking about the news of the week right. or the latest political opinion. Well, let me modify that. Of course they want to hear me when they agree with me. Yeah. When it's their issue. So down with this and up with this and no more of that, you know, let's say local voting issues or school issues or whatever course, of course they want me to talk about their issue. But if I do that, there's going to be another time where I talk about someone else's issue that's not their issue, and that's where... Yeah. So it can become a breeding ground for disagreement and disunity. So uh, I think on the great biblical themes... You know, there's no debate, you know, life, uh, you know, the claims of the gospel, the blood of Jesus, the divinity of Jesus Christ. We're never going to flinch on that. But who should be mayor of our city or or (laughs) who should be governor of our state? I'm not convinced that that's my role. That's not my best role. I'm not convinced that they really that people really want to have their pastor telling them who to vote for. Yeah. Uh, I am convinced that everybody wants me to trumpet their issue, right. whatever their favorite issue is. But here's the problem. And you've had people, you've had people come up to you and ask you, that, "Hey, you should have said this, or you shouldn't have said that." And it's a, it's a real lose lose proposition because whenever you, whenever you take a position on a non essential, essentially you're just spouting preference, right? Yeah, and opinion. So I try to stick with my job as a teacher of the Word of God mm. and let people choose who they're going to vote for. Let them choose, for example, whether they should be vaccinated. You know there would be people that, that would want me to say something about vaccination as long as right. it agreed with what they believe. Yeah. But the minute I would start talking about vaccination in a way that they don't agree with, they would be outraged. And Matt, so it yeah. it really is. There's people on all sides of every opinion right now, and my job isn't to try to be popular. My job isn't to try to please all people. You can't. My job is to bring all people to Jesus Christ, yeah. and then let Jesus Christ help them understand who to vote for, 
whether or not they should wear a mask, whether they should be vaccinated, et cetera, et cetera. So that's, uh, that's a long answer to a short question, but it's something I think about all the time. And I think here's where I need to pound the table is on the moral truths and the central themes of the Bible. Yeah. But on local political issues or local stories, as much as people will say, you need to comment. I really want you to, I wish you had said that. The same people would be mad if I said something they disagreed with. Yeah. Yeah, so, they'd leave the church if it's oh, yeah. not hundred hundred percent And it's the cancel culture, and I'm just avoiding the whole idea. of. I'm in the business of uniting people around the major themes of truth, not dividing them with who yeah. should be mayor or who should be governor or should we recall Governor Gavin Newsom or should we vote for Prop 109 or, you know, whatever it is. That's yeah. And plus, here's the other thing. When it comes to politics, we saw, for example, our took our church took a very, very strong stand. We, we have on a number of occasions pro-life and so on. I was arrested for pro-life. I, there's nobody that's been stronger in pro-life than me, right? Went to jail for 10 days yeah. for my conviction, and I don't regret it. Um, but the, And there was another time where we stood up strong for marriage. You know, it was yeah. Prop 8, right? Right. And we got people to vote, and we nailed that thing, and people went to the polls, and they voted. And then do you know what happened? <laughs> Judges yeah. overturned the vote. Right. So all the, all the energy that we spent, and if we, if we misrepresented Christ, I pray that we didn't, but all, you know, all, when we rep- misrepresent Christ, sometimes in those kinds of uh, you know, fire and fury issues— um, and we caused people to feel hated and unloved and uh, unviolated. All that energy went into that topic, and then it was a judge. So for me, prayer is the single greatest commitment that I can make. Hmm. And that's something that we have majored in in yeah. our church. Prayer shaping the culture around us. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So I'm a uniter. I'm a communicator. I'm a Bible teacher. I'm not a political talking head. I'm not a talk show host. I don't want to get into the controversies of the day unless it is to speak, thus says the Lord. And I would be very careful to say, thus says the Lord, about a political position or candidate or or issue of the day. Yeah. And it does seem like everything is political now. So— it's almost like if we did become a church that suddenly started addressing whatever the political issue of the week was, we wouldn't have time to talk about what the things that Jesus. Yeah, when do we get to talk about the gospel? You know? Right. If I can, as a communicator, if I can connect something to the gospel, so the right. gospel and justice, man, I'll I'll make that connection, and I have, you know, justice for all people, a church for all people, a court. You know, we're gonna tie in the big pieces of morality and truth to our gospel message. But our church is not going to be central headquarters for the Democratic Party, the Republican Party, the American Independent Party, uh, the burned down Sacramento Party. That's not our calling. Our calling is to challenge ideologies that are counter to the gospel. Yeah. So if there are other pastors or ministry leaders or business leaders listening to this and wondering if they should uh, 
be less political with their with their platform. Are you happy that there are other leaders out there that do that? Or is that something that you would say to other leaders, we should not be doing that? No, I think I think there are some people that by virtue of their platform and their influence and their audience can well speak into those things. And I'm, I'm happy for them to do that. Let's have the debate. Yeah. As long as we understand not everybody's going to see this at the end of the same way at the end of the day. Not every generation, not every ethnic group is going to see the issue in exactly the same way. So if if you do bring it up, if you do bring something up, what's the way, what is the truth that we can unite around as believers? That mm. I think is, you know, super important. What are the things that unite us rather than what are the things that divide us? Yeah, that's really good. Okay, very cool. And by the way, I'll, I'll throw this in. Uh, none less than Billy Graham, mm. you know, so that he could present the gospel you know, he never dove into the temporary passing issues of his day. He always, and they interviewed him once, and he said, I will never lower myself to stop talking about the truth of the gospel in order to address the political situations of the day. Yeah. Of course, he took a, a stand on civil rights, and, you know, there are some times where you have to stand up and, and be counted, right? Yeah. But to make it a practice that every Sunday we're going to have a political rally and deal with the news of the week and commentate on that, there's other people that can do that. That's not my role. Billy Graham never saw it as his role. Yeah, that's really good. If you have any questions... For Pastor David, on anything, it could be leadership, family, relationships, whatever, whatever's on your minds, we want to hear from you. So you can do that a couple different ways. You can uh, instant message us on Instagram, and you can just let us know. It's a question for the podcast, and we will get that to Pastor David. Or you can email us at info at GCCSJ. Dot com, and you might hear your question on a future episode of the Gateway Leadership Podcast. Those are just a few of the things that are changing. Now, like here in our church, we're, we've set a goal that everyone in our church, it's going to take some time, but we've set a goal that everyone in our church will just be on this page of relationship-based evangelism. But there's a couple of things that turbocharge that process. One is prayer, like uh, praying for your neighbors, thinking about even having a list of friends and relatives and acquaintances and neighbors and coworkers mm -hmm. that, mm -hmm. um, that you're praying for. Chris, you've seen a lot of fruit in that, just mm -hmm. sowing prayer. Uh, if What would happen if everybody in our church really prayed for those people in their lives. Well, it's just like last week, uh, three weeks ago, excuse me, um, in our young professional community, every week they pray for their lost friends. Mm. And so we had, last week we had a barbecue, and one lady, she came, and she had been twice. She learned that she can pray for her friends and invite them. So last week they brought, they brought three of their friends, Beautiful. brand new. Man, and it's just, it's a simple step of just being aware. All you need to do is pray. And God begins to work, opens their heart, and some way have a way of connection with that. And we create a culture. So a lot of times in the past, a church would have a separate evangelism department. Right. And one of our goals is a conversion community, which means we we do, there's, there's this principle, 
that's called a we always talked about this a one degree rule. Yeah. Where Kevin Harney. Kevin yeah. We asked the question, what can we do throughout kids ministry, our duck pond, the every, the worship team, everybody mm-hmm. involved, what can you do to turn one degree towards adding an element of the lost in those that don't know Christ mm-hmm. to everything they're doing currently. Mm-hmm. So we're not trying to change everything overnight. We're not trying to no. create an evangelism department. It's just culturally, everybody, we as a conversion community, what that means is we all are identifying and praying for, very strategically, people that we can connect with in our communities, our coworkers, our people that live next door to us, etc. throughout. And just the engagement of prayer and then looking for ways to build bridges. Mm -hmm. Then this is a paradigm shift. Instead of building a bridge to come to my church, it's we're building a bridge to go to you. Mm. Into your world. Into your world. Mm -hmm. And so by doing that, we're taking, you know, it's funny. Who was it that said recently, I heard somebody say this, it was funny, that we pray for years, Lord, break down the four walls around us. Well, he did. And so now yeah. we're praying, Lord, bring... Talking about COVID? Yeah. 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 And right. so now we're praying, Lord, restore, you know, rebuild. <laughs> yeah. Get us, get those walls back. <laughs> yeah. We want to... So, but the whole concept of, 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 of a one degree rule yeah. in creating a... It takes time. You know, yeah. it takes years to create this. But once we see that, and there's several generations of that, we begin to see tremendous fruit of people living That's and an, how really mm-hmm. easy it is. It's another big shift. Yeah. We're talking about big, you know, tectonic shifts in the way outreach is done. And, 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 and a, yeah, it's moving from program mm-hmm. to culture, mm-hmm. you know, really getting everybody involved. Even though you're going to have some ministries, Daniel, that you're leading homeless outreach and, you know, Section 8, Las Casitas and whatever, those are formal and not everybody's going to do that, mm-hmm. but making lots of opportunities for people to do that in there and in training people in their everyday life, wherever they are, there's opportunity mm-hmm. to see people come to Christ. Yeah, you know, when I think of it like this, you know, outreach, evangelism, however you want to call it, it's not stationary. It's mobile. You know, you just got to get step out of your own territorial ba- boundary and whatever that is, you know, it's just it's just moving forward beyond that because we already know you know, hey, we live in a world that just needs outreach in some sort of aspect, some sort of level, wherever that may be. But if we stay in that comfort zone or we stay in that boat, you know, a great illustration is is Peter. You know, this wasn't about him, you know, <laughs> walking on water. That's too easy to cherry pick that. Mm-hmm. You know, what it really is coming down to is that he, the moment he, he like, he twitched and he moved up, the moment he took a step forward, that was an act of, big act of faith. You know, to do that, you know, and I really feel, feel that Jesus is saying, hey, you know what? <clears throat> I want you to I'm consistently telling you to get out of your comfortable boat, mm-hmm. get out of your comfortable boundary and go to the people right. that need you because you got something to say. Yeah, I really believe that we all have something to say. You know, there's nothing that we have that's going to come back void. God's not going to God's going to use us in so many different ways and so many different angles and. What you know, I don't know, I'll learn. What you know, I don't know, I'll learn, you know. But when we do this together as a team, and when you say when everybody is doing everything, on, you know, 100%, oh, my gosh, I can't even imagine what that, I mean, that would be a powerful thing. That's well, a championship run, run right there. Yeah, I love it. Come on. That's a championship We're almost run. out of time. I want to do a couple things before, before we um, end this podcast. Number one, 
Chris, I think it'd be great if we could share some books and resources that have been shaping us. So what are some of the things, uh, some of the wells that we've been drawing off? You mentioned Rick Richardson's You Found Me. Right. If you're a pastor, if you're a leader, you need to get that book. He also wrote another book. Reimagining. Reimagining Evangelism. It's a very good book, very very practical, based upon, I mean, you found me in the reimagining. They've done their research, and the question is, is what's working? Right. What's really, and what's not working? So through a lot of research and evaluating, I forget how many churches was it, several th- Well, thousand? there were five major national studies that was the basis. Right. So, so thousands of churches, literally, that are growing, and what are the secrets of yeah. actually converting the lost and boiling that down into some principles. So real basic and best practices. We haven't been able to scratch the surface really oh, on mm-hmm. that. So that's a book. That's a little heavier reading, but reimagining evangelism, we're actually doing that with our whole staff. It's a great book. Taking our, our pastors through mm-hmm. that book a chapter at a time and literally changing what we our model, our paradigm about updating mm-hmm. our, you know, how to do outreach. The Kevin, other Kevin Harney's book. Organic outreach. Yeah. Very good book. Oh, my gosh. Very, this guy has been doing this all over the world, got a lot of experience under his belt. And the question is, is how do you—he's the guy that brought up the one-degree rule. He's oh. also got a two-degree rule. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Le- yeah, leveraging uh, Yeah, leveraging what you're doing. Exactly. Organic and, outreach for, for churches, I think, is right. one. And he's got another one, organic outreach for Christians. Yes. Yeah. So these are, these are just best practices of a lot of these books yeah. here. Another one that you referred to is about your neighboring. Yeah, the art of neighboring. Uh, or, yeah, the, the art, art of neighboring. neighboring. Right. You know, people you know, here in Silicon Valley, you get up, open up the garage door, you go to work, Google, Apple, whatever. You come home, shut the garage door. Yeah. And we, are, we live, Robert Putman from Harvard University yeah. said, we live in one of the most isolated areas of the nation. Bowling alone, he wrote. Bowling alone. That's probably 15, 20 years ago. Yeah, but even then, he yeah. said, if you want to see a quintessential example of isolation, look at the Bay Area. And so what that means is neighbors are isolated from one another mm-hmm. as compared to this one uh, bless uh, bless every home, this one yeah, app. Bible oh, app. yeah. It's we a would, website. It's a bless website. Every home. Bless every home where you sign up and it's got a listing and I don't know how they do this, but you got a listing of all your neighbors where yeah. you they give very practical steps how to pray, how to engage. Right. And so really it's a paradigm shift for every member of the church. And this is part of the conversion community where everybody can isol- can identify their neighbors and be able to pray for them. Mm-hmm. And that's a that's a segue uh, away and get from to know them and serve them and yeah. and, and be yeah. a good neighbor. Yeah, that, really quick. What, what if what home. if we actually did the the what Jesus said when he said, love your neighbor. What if we actually Oh, my gosh. I, I know. <laughs> you know that bless a home, it's now making me like, okay, is that the next person that's going to be in my life? Right. Is that the next couple right. that, that I'm going to be ministering to? It's like, it really, it's just really eye-popping. I, re- I love that. So word I for. wanted to do a little bibliography, you know, throw some resources, because we're, we're learning, we're growing. Mm-hmm. We have, man, we haven't figured this out, but we're those are some books that are really shining light mm-hmm. into this space of outreach. So I want to make sure that if you're a pastor, youth pastor, uh, a leader, church elder, board member, those are great um, books for you mm-hmm. to dive into maybe with your team. But the other thing is there's a lot of discouragement. Uh, now, we're, we're talking like, you know, uh, we never make mistakes and we do everything right. We don't. You know, we there's a lot of discouragement around the topic of reaching the lost. For sure, the enemy's jumping into this 
arena to try to stop, let's say, the average person who's in a church. They're, they don't, they, they may wonder how to be effective at soul winning. They may want that, but they feel discouraged. And also, you know, church pastors, they're struggling. They don't have a youth ministry. That Some of the pastors that listen to us have very small staff. They're bivocational. They say, man, where do I get started? Because I feel, I know I want to participate in the Great Commission, and I'm just wrestling with feelings of inadequacy concerning that. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if you guys have words of wisdom, but I know we could pray, and and maybe you do have something We can to say, pray, but... but at the same time, there's some very practical steps. You give a number of books here that people can read, pastors can read, and gain, and just like organic outreach, just mm-hmm. that book itself, and then reimagining. So feed on what's working. Right. Secondly, is somehow, and it's different for everybody in terms of where they're at, but what we're learning is mutual accountability, peer-to-peer relationship. Yeah. No judgment, no condemnation, right. but we learn from one another. I've got a lot to learn. We've got a lot to learn. and But we're learning together. We're a part of this monthly. And we actually we check in with each other. It's like absolutely. we ask each other, how are you doing with mm-hmm. reaching your neighbors? It's a little... It's a little invasive, it but it's purposeful. It's not. It's not. Yeah, a, I mean, it's that. not meant to be. We are all friends. We do yeah. it, but we literally check in regularly with each other, mm-hmm. don't we? On that. Yeah, and and the thing is, is that as we do that, what we're seeing is that you're the lead pastor here, and we're seeing you take the lead. Mm. And what we're hearing and what other pastors are saying is that is that their churches are seeing the lead pastor demonstrate it. And they, because basically if the lead pastor doesn't do it, how do you expect the congregation to do it? Mm -hmm. But when the congregation hears, it's just like you've done this before many times. You're at the pool working out, you and your Kathy, your wife, you're telling stories of how you engaged other people. Mm -hmm. And it seems like so simple. You're sitting on a bench at a gym talking about whatever, and God opens the door and you're openly sharing that from the pulpit on a Sunday, people hear that. They go, oh, my gosh, that seems easier. You're not out there pumping your Bible and thumping and whatever, screaming into a microphone. You're just sharing life. Right. That's something they Oh, can my do. gosh. Yeah. That's so simple right. to do that at a barbecue with a neighbor or whatever. That's the goal. That's a huge, huge example there. And then what that does is it infuses down through the congregation, and people see that. And and so, you know, like what we're doing here is we're, we're getting together as teams and we're working through uh, what we're calling the infusion, evangelism or gospel infusion, outreach mm-hmm. infusion. We're learning from one another. We're working as teams and we're making mistakes. We're holding each other accountable, mm-hmm. which is great when it's done in the right spirit. Right. And right. then for it's pressure, it's, we're going. It's, it's a culture shift. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's just like, you know, I lead about 15 young guys. In a, in a young professional community, and after one year of just sharing, I had uh, last month every one of them committed to identifying and praying for men that they don't that don't know Christ. Mm-hmm. Every one of them, because mm-hmm. we talk about how easy it is really just to focus on prayer, listen, engage, and we're going to see fruit from that. Yeah, I believe that. Yeah, I believe that. Mm-hmm. That's good stuff, man. I mean, I mean, David. I mean, you you lead by example, you know, and if. Well, I haven't had a lot of great stories the last year because my gym is closed, and but I've got a dog now, and I'm telling you. That dog is bringing you a lot of stories. That is opening doors with my neighbors. I mean, I cannot. I've talked to more neighbors in the last four months since I got this dog. You know, and it's funny because you had said, I think, was it a couple of weeks ago about how, you know, your dog is kind of your ministry tool in a sense. 
that you're getting engaged with neighbors. Right. And like I do the same thing. I have you know two dogs. They're small, and but when you take them out, I mean you're people getting oh your dog's so cute, and then instantly bam, it's something it's just something you have in common with your neighbor. You yeah, know? exactly. And then all of a sudden you're you're talking about just life, right. life, and yeah, yeah, you know. And the next you know you find out. Oh, a need that they have or something. Yeah, I mean, that's so just good. what it's all about. Yeah. I mean, it's really just getting engaged. It's following the principles of what God has laid down is just being relational. Love. Love them where they're at. Well, just you know, we're, we're a ministry-oriented uh, environment here at Gateway. We care about people. We love to pray with people, and we believe fervently that prayer changes things. Prayer moves the needle. And if a person is discouraged, prayer can turn that. Never underestimate the power of a prayer. So I want to invite you guys, as I do with all my guests, to pray over our audience. Now, listen, uh, to my listeners, you you might be driving down the road. You might be working out. You might be—this might not be the ideal time for you to bow your head and close your eyes, but I promise you God can work in a moment like this. And when it comes to God using you to see other people come to Christ— can we think of anything more important than that? And so just whatever you're doing, I'm going to ask Pastor Chris and Daniel just to pray for you, that God will just use you, and, and to pray for the body of Christ. Pray, guys, however you feel led, but let's have a moment before we before we end this conversation. Thank you guys for the insight. Mm-hmm. Now would you add your prayers? Father, I just thank you for every person that's listening. Lord, that your grace would rest upon them, that they would understand and know the value of, of every person that you died for. Jesus, people matter. They matter to you. You came for them. And the Lord, we would see that, Lord, all you're asking us to do is to be a vessel that would work with you. You're taking the lead. You're going before us. You have all, you've already have people already in line. We're stepping into your purpose and let your wisdom, your grace, your, your understanding. And Lord, even Lord, prompting those that are listening to get the resources, the books, and to make a commitment to begin learning and to step into what it means to be able to share, to love, to trust, engage, and to just take off the shackles of any fear, preconceived stereotypes mm-hmm. of what evangelism all is all about. Lord, this is a new day, a new mm-hmm. fresh move of your spirit. We're yes, coming out Lord. of COVID. Yes, Lord. And Lord, there are opportunities all around us. Yes, Lord. Lord, at the grocery store, at the post office, where we work, oh Lord, all around us. And Lord, let there be connections with people yes, to Lord. learn, to grow, to step out and to be bold. And most of all, just to love people where they're at and let the Holy Spirit do the work that you have designed us to do. Yes, Father God, and we thank you so much for this opportunity, Lord God. I feel right now, Lord God, that I need to speak to that that pastor, whether young, old, Father, that leader, Lord God, that minister, that reverend, Lord God, that just been discouraged, Lord God. I just pray that you re- yes, Lord. reignite yes, Lord. Lord, a fire under yes, their belly, Lord. Lord God. Father, Lord God, that you redefine their purpose, Lord God, that you show them, Lord God, what's the reason why, Lord God, they have been part of ministry for so long. Father God, I know the waters can look murky at times, Lord God, Father, but when we clear that, that, that those waters, Lord God, it becomes crystal, 
crystal clear as to what you're saying in our hearts, Lord God. So I pray for them right now. And yeah. Father, I feel like these two words right now that come in, backyard evangelists. Mm-hmm. Lord, I pray like right now, Lord God, Amen. that backyard yes, evangelist starts yes, to become Lord. more ev- evident yes, in our community, yes. Lord God. That neighbor, Lord God, that even might be listening. And, hey, hey, what do you mean by backyard evangelist? I'm telling you that you can be an example to your neighbor. That you can love them where they're at, Lord. I just pray for that neighbor right now. I pray for my neighbors, Lord Father. My community. San Jose community, Lord Father God. I pray for Santa Clara County, Lord God, and all these districts that are surrounded here in the Bay Area. I pray, Lord Father God, that we can continue to keep keep uniting as a community, Lord God. There's so much more that we need to do. There's so much people that we need to reach to, Lord God. I pray that our hearts, Lord God, start to continue chase after you, Lord God, so we could chase after those that need a touch of you, Lord mm-hmm. Jesus. So I thank you, and I love you in your precious name. Father, thank you. Amen. 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 Thank you, guys. Pastor Chris Cobb, Daniel Guadarrama, thank you for joining us on the podcast. Hey, if somebody wanted to get a hold of you, what's your social? How do they reach out to you? Uh, You're on Facebook, Instagram. Yeah, I'm on Facebook. Are you on the IG? What's going on? I'm on on? Instagram at Guadzilla. 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 (laughs) That's because I'm a big Godzilla fan. (laughs) It goes way back. All right. Direct message him on. uh, Yeah, you go to Guadzilla on Instagram. You hit me up, Facebook, Daniel Guadarrama. Or check out our website, gatewaycity.church, and there'll be a way to link in with Daniel. Yeah. Yeah. How do people hit you up, Pastor Chris? If they've got a question, what's the name of that book? How would they get a hold of you? IG, Chris Cobb 76. Chris Cobb 76. So simple. Yeah, or Facebook, it's just chris.com. Yeah. That's that's where I'm at. Thank you, guys. We'd love to serve you. We're here for you. We live to see you succeed at Gateway. Until our next podcast, I hope that you will continue to inspire and transform lives. Thank you for listening to the Gateway Leadership Podcast with David Kenneth Grayson, inspiring you to lead in every area of life. We'll be releasing a new episode every month, so be sure to subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. Gateway City Church is one church that meets in multiple cities. To find us or to learn more, visit mygatewaycity.church. Thank you for listening, and we'll see you right here next month.